if I sell an amount of fuel that is going to produce one ton of carbon in the atmosphere when it is burned, I see. I have to pay for that. I have to pay $15. Okay. That's like, this is a little far into the episode to clarify that. I'll probably have to just like edit that into the beginning. It's 2050. What's powering your town? The wind's not breezy. The sun is down. You're miles away from any dam or thermal spring. There's no coal, no natural gas or oil or shales or anything. What's powering your home and your bilingual robot cat? Let's chat. You okay? Yeah. I just, my notes are so bad, but it's okay. We're doing this. I feel like that you say that every time and then it's fine. Yeah. Well, only after I edit it heavily. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. (laughs) Welcome to Battery Chattery. I'm Hope Wilson. And I'm Anna Rigney. And today we're going to talk about the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act of 2018. So I know zero about this. Okay. So I'm excited to learn things. Whatever you got to tell me, Hope. (laughs) Awesome. I'm so glad you're excited. Um, So the first thing to know about this is it is a bill. Okay. You may recall from Schoolhouse Rock that that means it's not a law yet. (laughs) I was just about to start singing that when you said that it's a bill (laughs) up on Capitol Hill. Yep. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the fun thing about this bill is it's... The first bill that's been introduced in, like, 10 years that's, like, a climate bill that's bipartisan, which means, like, both Democrats and Republicans are sponsoring it. Interesting. It's got three Republican co-sponsors and three Democratic co-sponsors. And we are in the lame duck session of Congress right now, um, which most likely means this bill will fizzle out but then be reintroduced. Uh, But of those uh, six co-sponsors... Two of the Republicans and two of the Democrats are returning to Congress next year, and the other two retired. So, Cool. Yeah. So what does the bill enact? What does it say? That's such a good question. Thanks. So it implements a carbon fee. I'm going to go ahead and summarize it for you real quick, and then we can do the details. Okay. Okay. Implements a carbon fee. Implements a dividend. So that's what it does with the money it raises from the fee, is it returns it to households. Okay. Um, so the carbon fee is levied on um, businesses, manufacturers? Essentially, yeah. So it's uh, it's levied straight on the fossil fuel companies. Okay. Uh, it's like basically just applied at the source. Okay. Um, so like you and I will not have to like add a section to our taxes that's like carbon fee. Like, but also and like... And then like calculate how much fuel we use this year. But also like Whole Foods won't have to do that either. Right. It'll be The fossil only, fuel okay. companies. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so the reason we're calling it a fee instead of a tax is, I think, because it is it's revenue neutral, um, which is which means the government doesn't keep the money. Okay. But if you call it a tax, like people know what you're talking about, it's fine. I think it's fine. It'll be given back to the households through like tax refunds or. Um. Yes. Okay. Essentially, yeah. Um, I know nothing about tax. That's so fair. Yeah, no, um, I think the thing to know is it's not, this program, like, won't be part of the IRS, by my understanding. Okay. Uh, it's a separate thing. It's a lot simpler than the IRS, and they will use, like, existing tax records. Okay. So, that's neat. Any other questions about... No, that makes sense. Okay. And we will get into more details later. Um, oh, there's a border tax adjustment, 
which means that's essentially for um and we we won't really talk about this later because i don't know anything about tariffs and things like that Uh um but essentially it's for making it so that american businesses aren't at a disadvantage compared to other uh companies in other countries which don't have to pay the same like extra for fuel and things like that so what does that mean exactly um so since since fossil fuels like they're the taxes levied on them but that does make the fuels more expensive and that means that any american company that is kind of carbon intensive um like any industry that's kind of carbon intensive now is at a disadvantage compared to a company outside of the u.s Mm-hmm. Um, because the industry outside the U.S. is not having to pay those same like high prices for okay. fossil fuels and stuff. So the idea is you apply some kind of adjustment at the border, which make which evens the playing field. So um, you're making the external sources of fossil fuels more expensive in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, it, this this also applies to like the import and export of fossil fuels. Okay, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But also to products which are made with, you know, using fossil fuels. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's that has to do with imports and exports. I really don't know the details at all. But okay. the idea is just to make it so that well, it's it's also partly so that American companies don't just like pick up and relocate elsewhere where they can like, you know, Not operate without the fee. Okay. But then still like get to sell their stuff to the U.S. without any like additional. Uh, obstacles in the way okay um like there will be obstacles in the way there will be the border tax adjustment okay cool so those are like the features of the bill and then there's some other stuff um so some regulatory limits are implemented and we will absolutely talk about more about this later but this is kind of a my understanding is this was really necessary to get republicans on board Mm -hmm. um and it says you know we're applying a fee on these specific uh, fuels and stuff and these specific greenhouse gases. Um, So on top of that, the EPA cannot add more regulations on those gases for the specific purpose of reducing uh, the greenhouse effect, you know, like reducing climate change itself. So this would be the only regulation on these particular gases. Um, Does it count as a regulation if it's just a fee? I guess not. Well, kind of, right? It's a means of decreasing it, right? Uh Uh-huh. I guess, to me, regulation is like, you're no longer allowed to, like, do less than 30% renewables this year for your energy. I don't know. Fair enough. Like saying, like, you're not allowed to do this as opposed to, like, it will cost you more to do this. Although I guess that's kind of what fines are. I don't know. I don't understand what a regulation is. We could look that up. Let's Google it. I think if you look it up, it's just like a law. It's like, thank you, Google. (laughs) Fucking Google. (laughs) Just kidding. I love Google. I love Google, too. They're going to, like, take over someday. I'm going to be like, great. Sounds good. Thanks, Google. (laughs) You know, they, like, removed the don't be evil clause from their thing. No. Yeah. That's a bummer. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, why? What's the point of that? You sure about that? I think so, yeah. Oh, no. Okay. A regulation is a rule or directive made and maintained by an authority. 
or the action or process of regulating or being regulated. Yeah, maybe the fee is a regulation. I mean, I'm not, I don't know anything about climate research and stuff like that, but I would assume, or like um, climate regulation, but I would assume that anything that is intended to decrease use of a particular thing is a form of regulation. Okay. Right? That makes sense. But I don't know. I guess the reason there's a big distinction in my head is because, like, this is so straightforward to implement compared to regulations, and I think that's a draw for conservatives who want, like, government to be small and simple. Yeah. Instead of, like... Because they don't like complexity. <laughs> right. So this doesn't involve, like, inspecting companies to make sure they're meeting some standard. It just involves, like, applying a price and going with it. All right. All right, oh. so mm-hmm. what we're saying, this is... Okay, so... The part of the bill is that the EPA, for instance, cannot add extra regulations. I assume the EPA already has regulations on the things that they're going to add this fee to. Does that mean that the EPA has to change their regulations? Or is it just like a new additional regulation? So there's some regulations it specifically states that it gets to keep. Like um, it can still put uh, fuel efficiency standards on cars, for example. And it can keep those that are in place. I think what I've gathered is that, like, anything the EPA has that might be contested under this isn't going to be as effective as this anyway. Okay. So it's, like, not a loss. That's cool. Um, Also, like, it's stuff like the the Clean Air Act, Clean Power Plan, which, like, Trump is trying to dismantle, right? So. Yeah. (laughs) It might not be around anyway. Um. Um, oh, right, but uh, there's this is a very specific regulatory limit. I don't want anyone to like panic and be like, oh, no, we're going to take one action on climate change and then we're not allowed to take another action on climate change again ever because that's not what this is. So you can, first off, you can still regulate any pollutant that isn't a greenhouse gas, um, including, and I think all fossil fuels have these pollutants. You know, they, they've all got like a whole cornucopia of, pollutants, uh, including sulfur, that's not a greenhouse gas, um, nitrogen oxide, I want to say. There's some other ones. Uh, so you can still regulate fossil fuels. It just can't be for the purpose of greenhouse gas emissions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can still regulate greenhouse gases for, say, their health effects. It just can't be for their climate effects. Interesting. Yeah. And um, this doesn't do anything to states' rights. States can still pass whatever they want, even, like, they can still regulate greenhouse gases for being greenhouse gases. So these will be minimum regulations. Yeah. It's just to prevent, quote, double jeopardy. It's just like, if we have, if we're covering this already, we don't want another, we don't want the EPA to, like, put another regulation on the same thing that we're covering. Because that's sure. just more laws. Yeah. But yeah, in no way does this say, like, we can't ever do climate legislation again. <laughs> um Okay, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, oh, oh, oh. Uh, agriculture. There's some agricultural exemptions. Uh-huh. Um, basically, if you're using fuel on a farm for farming, you don't have to pay a tax on it. Okay, so I guess I'm confused then, because I thought that the fuel uh, fee was only applied to the fuel companies. Right. Um... Yeah, that may be a case where they just, like, get a rebate on it. Like, 
yeah, I should have double checked. Um, but like, you know, they, they kind of like how much fuel they use and then they let the government know and the government's like, okay, here's the, the amount of money back that you spent. Oh, like the rebate on what they paid for the fuel. Yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was right. Um, the text of the bill says, if any covered fuel or its derivative is used on a farm for a farming purpose, the secretary shall pay without interest to the ultimate purchaser of such covered fuel or its derivative the total amount of carbon fees previously paid upon that covered fuel as specified by the rule of the secretary. Um, so basically, whatever the fossil fuel companies had to pay to the fee in order to sell the fuel the farm gets that amount of money back. Yeah. I don't, I don't fully understand. I don't, I don't, I'm not a farmer, Anna. <laughs> you have me fooled. <laughs> Living in a downtown urban area. <laughs> um, but I guess, uh, like, uh, this kind of fee would represent a significant burden on farmers. And, like, they make our food, so. That's pretty cool of them. It is. So, like, I'm not above letting them be exempt in this case. Also, um, the exempt fuels are supposed to account for about 0.6% of U.S. emissions. So that is not significant. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. There's also an exemption for non-emissive uses of fossil fuels. Um, So this is another case where I think just a rebate would come in. But, like, if you're using it to make asphalt or plastics, like, that carbon is not going into the atmosphere. So... You know, do you do you. We're not going to charge you for it. Um, the other thing about this bill, basically, is that at some point it ends, which is another... Uh, <laughs> I keep talking about this in terms of selling points for Republicans. It's because I have to actively think about that because I'm not a Republican. I'm not a conservative. I don't, like, I don't have the same priorities. Yeah. Um, so this is... Yeah. Um but right, so the program ends at some point. It's got a specific set of, you know, conditions that will be met, and then it will be over. Okay. Um, so it's not a time frame. It's more of like a once emissions are decreased to this amount or something like that. Pretty much. Um, there is a time frame actually, and uh, that we're supposed to. Yeah, you know what? Let's go. Let's. Redo this. Now that we've done the outline, we're just going to dive right in to okay. the details. So the carbon fee um, starts at $15 per ton for CO2, um, and for other greenhouse gases, it's proportional to that. So, like, if another greenhouse gas is, like, more bad per ton than CO2, it's going to start at more than 15 per ton, you know? Mm-hmm. That's all just proportional. Um, okay, starts at 15 per ton, grows by $10 per year. Unless, in a given year, we're not hitting the targets laid out in the plan. And if that's the case, then it increases by $15 a year instead of $10 per year. Okay. So it's it's just this mechanism to, like, make sure we're on track. Um, but they, you know, they, like, modeled it, I guess, and this is what is supposed to get us to those targets. So what are those targets? Um, we're supposed to be down to 10% of 2015 levels by 2050. Okay. I think the program's kind of supposed to start in 2022. Whoops. Okay. So the program can start before 2022. Like there can be a fee enacted before 2022 on carbon. Um, What doesn't happen until 2022 is if it looks like we're not meeting our emissions goals, this bill does not lay out 
a way for us to, um, it does not lay out a legal mechanism for getting us back on track until 2022. 2022, we're supposed to like lose 5% of emissions per year till 2030. Then we lose um, 2.5% per year till 2040. And then we lose 1.5% per year. So the math doesn't quite work out, and I think they're assuming we'll already be down by 10% by 2022. Okay. Because then that adds up to 90%. Okay. Did that make sense? That's... Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, awesome. <laughs> that is the 10% down, or 10% of 2015. Yeah. Are we already decreasing our... I believe the U.S. is. I know the world generally is not sure i know that like emissions are actually going up right now yeah um okay so maybe they're factoring in like the current decline yeah i think they must be um okay you're probably asking yourself are these goals written with the ipcc report in mind and yes they are i have no idea what the ipcc report is i also i'm not sure which ipcc report they're talking about okay IPCC, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. They release a report every so often that's like, here's the state of climate change. And sometimes they're like, here's what we need to do in order to, say, limit warming to below 2 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. And here's what we want to do if we want to limit to below 1.5 degrees Celsius. Um, Like, both of those are very much still possible. Um, So this is is written to keep us to 2 degrees Celsius. uh, so keep in mind, that's assuming this is the only climate policy that we put in place mm-hmm. until 2050. Super unlikely. Um, this, this, I don't, I think for a lot of people pushing for this bill, this was never meant to be the only thing we put in place. Mm-hmm. It's a darn good start. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're talking to someone who's like, oh, well, a fee alone won't do it and be like, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Like, but that's not, we're not saying, like, let's implement this fee and then never think about it again. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. I, for one, am hoping that, like, the fee goes through and then a Green New Deal goes through. So. So the IPCC has reviewed this bill. Oh, no, no, no. But the bill is based on the IPCC's, like, here's here's the global emissions reductions that we have to see if we're going to reduce it to like two degrees Celsius or 1.5 degrees Celsius. And obviously this is only, um, this, this modeling they did says like, yes, this bill will get like the U S to its own, to do its own share of like getting us to that two degrees or 1.5 degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously like that's, that's just about the U S is part of this whole thing. So I'm sorry. Let's back up. What was the first statement you made about the IPCC? Okay. They have basically, um, here's how much we should be looking to reduce our emissions like per year in order to keep ourselves to within two degrees Celsius of warming, okay. which um, I think that's, that's kind of what's been the number that's been tossed around in the last few years. It's like, we have to keep ourselves below two degrees Celsius of warming. But even that, like, that's not great. Like, there's still going to be huge. a lot of bad stuff that yeah. happens because of that. Um, so we're still also hoping, like, 1.5 degrees Celsius would also be cool. And so they also put out, like, 
here's the emissions reductions we'd have to see to keep to 1.5 degrees Celsius. And so this bill is based on the report and it's to keep to 1.5 or 2? It's to keep it to 2. Okay. Um, and actually, there's like a range of that. Like there's, there's error bars on the IPCC report, sure. obviously. And this bill keeps us to the 2 degrees Celsius plan up to like, shoot, I forget what year. Um, and then it, it, it falls a little short, but that's if it's not linked to inflation. Okay. So if we link it to inflation, then it's supposed to keep us to two degrees Celsius. And again, that's, um, a, that's for, if this is the only climate policy we put in place and B, um, these models tend to underestimate the amount of policy innovation that occurs as a result of the fee. Like the fee itself will hopefully, you know, encourage companies to, to invest in like, and find better ways of doing things. Okay. So obviously that's already happening, but the fee is supposed to like spur it on even more. Okay, cool. That made a lot more sense. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, um, here's another note on the feet. Do you know about fluorinated greenhouse gases, Anna? I do not. Have you heard of chlorofluorocarbons? Uh, yeah, but I don't know what they are. Okay, so those are the ones where years ago we were like, these are what is causing the hole in our ozone layer. Um, and I think we got them banned or at least, like, regulated. Are those the things that were, like, in refrigerators? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think we don't have a hole in our ozone layer anymore because yeah, they got banned. Right. Isn't that so cool? Um, but there are uh, there are other fluorinated greenhouse gas or I don't even know if carb- chlorofluorocarbons were greenhouse gases. I guess they might have been, but the the bigger thing was like oh they're causing a hole in the ozone. Um, but um, there are other fluorinated gases like this. Um, so this one that I'm looking at right here just says HFCs, which I have to guess is hydrofluorocarbon, but I can't guarantee that because I didn't write it down. Um, I'll guarantee it. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Guaranteed. (laughs) HFCs do not destroy ozone. However, they are powerful greenhouse gases. Um, And the funny thing about these is they are included in the bill, just fluorinated greenhouse gases in general, but they are... They have a fee levied on them at only 10% of their carbon dioxide equivalent instead of 100% of the carbon dioxide equivalent, like all other greenhouse gases. Okay. So I didn't understand why this was, um, but I looked it up and they have global warming potentials, hundreds or thousands of times more powerful than carbon dioxide. So that's already... um, So if their global warming potential is a thousand times more powerful than CO2, but we're only taxing them at 10% of that, then they're still paying a hundred times more per ton than we are for CO2. So that starts right off at 115, oh, $1,500 per ton. Okay. So you don't need to tax them as highly to have the cost be greater to the companies producing them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, oh, we didn't talk about this before. Carbon capture slash sequestration rebates. What does that mean? Um, sequestration is basically the same thing as capture. Like you can talk about soil sequestration. Like you can basically sequester. Soil can, <laughs> yeah, soil can hold on to carbon. Okay. Um, 
So if you can, if you buy fuel or something, but then you demonstrate that you have safely and permanently retained the carbon somehow, you get a rebate. Okay. Oh, and something I did not know about. Fertilizer companies produce a lot of CO2. Um, so they've got all the CO2. And what they do with it right now is they sell it to soda companies. To like carbonate. Yes. Which is interesting. Yeah. Did you know? I didn't know you had to like buy CO2. I figured you could just like, oh, here's some CO2. Mm-mm-mm. No. Yeah. Um, Doug brews beer and he has to buy gas tanks to carbonate his kegs. Oh. Like he, no, sorry. He has gas tanks that he has to refill uh-huh. to carbonate his kegs. Yeah. Well, right. But I figured like there would be a way to get it that wouldn't be like. Just naturally in the wild with a net. Yes, Anna. <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah, actually, um, so minus the fertilizer companies, the way that companies do get carbonated, the way they get CO2 is just like natural reservoirs, um, which ideally we would just leave alone and let those reservoirs hold on to that CO2 yeah. for us so it doesn't go in the atmosphere, but I digress. Um, right, so it's not just the beverage companies, it's also to oil companies. For what purpose? Enhanced oil recovery. So this is... And it's funny because... um, Oh, I did not look into this. I like to think that the oil companies will not get a rebate for using the CO2 to do enhanced oil recovery, even though the CO2 will then be stored. Like, that CO2 will be stored, but then there will be more oil. And yeah. we'll burn it. And then there will be more CO2. So it'd be better to just store it without getting the oil out. But the fee is for how many, how much emissions, how many emissions they have. Like, how much, how many, I don't know. Yeah. How great their emissions are. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so I guess they would get a rebate on that. If just... the CO2 isn't emitted. Right. Um, yeah, I wrote down more about... Um, so I was just going to kind of explain what enhanced oil recovery is. Okay. Which... It's fun, because I don't really know. Um, but <laughs> essentially, like, you go into, you know, your oil field, and you get out the oil that's easy to get. And then I think there's, like, a secondary thing where you get out more of the oil that's a little less easy to get. And then there's enhanced oil recovery, which is, like, you inject CO2 in, and for some reason that makes some amount of the rest of the oil come to you. Okay. So that's it. That's all I know. Um, but yeah, okay, so the idea is if the rebate is significant enough, the fertilizer companies might be able to make more money by holding on to their CO2 than by selling it. Okay, that's mm-hmm. a bummer. Is it? Well, if they're selling it to the soda companies, the soda companies <laughs> and that means that the soda companies aren't <laughs> tapping into... Natural mm. reservoirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. Because presumably, well, yeah, the soda companies aren't going to have this fee levied on them. Mm-hmm. Even if they are emitting CO2, right? It's <laughs> a good question. That's my understanding. Um, yeah, I don't know what's the rule on, like, if a beverage company, like, goes into the ground and gets some CO2. So the bill has one section that imposes a fee on fossil fuel-related greenhouse gas emissions, 
And it has another section that imposes a fee on fluorinated gas emissions, even if they're not fuel related. But other than that, like I think if your greenhouse gas isn't fluorinated and it doesn't come from fuel, then there's no fee on it. And you can only get a rebate on a greenhouse gas if there was a fee charged for it in the first place. And the reason that fertilizer companies can get a rebate on their CO2 is probably that they use methane to make the, um, the fertilizer. Another note, I think on farms, uh, they don't, they're not going to count like non-greenhouse gas emissions, or sorry, non-fossil fuel greenhouse gas emissions as well. So I know I said like they wouldn't have to pay the fee on fossil fuels, but they also aren't going to have to pay a fee on like cows farting methane, <laughs> which is a thing they do if you yeah. didn't know. Cows account for a lot of greenhouse gas They really do. I think it's one of the reasons that being vegetarian vegan is Mm -hmm. more ecologically friendly. Yeah, I read something that said that if every American, and obviously this this is not going to happen, but if every American replaced all of their beef consumption with beans, we would be like a really significant portion of the way towards our like carbon emission goals. I don't know which goals they were talking about, honestly. There's different sets. Yeah. But no. but it really I've, would not be trivial. I yeah, I've heard that as well. I think even replacing a little bit of your beef with non meat, yeah, is good. Yeah, I'm like you don't have to give up meat completely to make uh, a huge difference. It turns out, <laughs> as a person who like did give up meat completely, yeah, I really agree with that. I think like I'm not asking anyone to like give up anything. I'm not sorry. Like, I didn't mean to accuse you. Of that. Oh no 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 no! I, I didn't think you were. <laughs> I was but trying like, to make the goal a little easier yeah. for that. No, I think person. I think the whole meatless Mondays thing is like a really cool thing. Like, yeah. Um, and stuff like that. I think it's cool. I'm also into meatless Tuesdays, meatless <laughs> Wednesdays. All my favorite meatless days of the week. <laughs> um, oh oh wait! I remember why why uh, I was listening to someone like sell this idea of like, yeah, fertilizer companies can keep their CO2 for more money. And it's because it keeps the price of fertilizer low. So that's also like good for farmers. Okay. So. Another way of not punishing farmers. Yeah. Wait, if they, okay. So if they keep the CO2, they get a rebate or they, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which will grow like year by year. You know? Okay. I just think that's interesting because, um, Oh, I see. If it grows year by year. I was like, what's the price difference between the rebate and the mm-hmm. price to the soda companies for selling Oh, it? yeah. I have no idea about that. But I assume at some point it will... Um, Be more fiscally responsible or, like, yeah. savvy to keep the CO2. Yeah. But then what do they do with it? They have to store it. Yeah. Um, and, and where? And oh, perhaps, like, yeah. Can they no, store it permanently? <laughs> I feel like they're not going to be able to not sell any of it, right? I have no idea. All right. But, um, you know, this is, uh, this is an aspect of, like, climate change um, solutions that gets brought up sometimes is, like, carbon capture, carbon sequestration. I think especially carbon capture. Um, and it's, like, the reason we're not just trying to solve climate change with carbon capture alone is because it's not feasible yet and it doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon. So, like, this bill probably will encourage more of more research into that because it will be, like, that'll be profitable. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that by itself. It, <laughs> you know, I heard something the other day that I liked, um, which is that, you know, so this 
So carbon capture and also like this bill, like no, there's no one thing that's going to solve climate change. So what I heard was like, it's not a silver bullet we're looking for. It's silver buckshot. Okay. I don't know what a buckshot is. Okay. I do now. As not as a non-hunter. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Um, it's uh, where your bullet has like multiple pellets and like as soon as you shoot your gun, the pellets all kind of go in slightly different directions. Someone told me it's for hunting ducks, so I guess that's because, like, ducks can move pretty fast, and, like, maybe you don't want to just aim at one point, but you also want to aim at points, like, all around that point, point. Okay. you have a better shot at hitting it. Are you feeling sad about the duck? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> I like ducks. Yeah, that's very valid. Who doesn't, though? Really, let's be honest. <laughs> They're pretty. I saw a pelican over Thanksgiving break. Oh, yeah? Where? Yeah. Um, in Las Vegas. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> he was beautiful. What were you doing in Las Vegas? Uh, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> it was a mistake. What's powering your holographic cat magazine? And scene.